Welcome to the best of the Nick Brown Show, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's your host, Nick Brown. Welcome back to the Nick Brown Show. We're going to go to Hueytown, Alabama's favorite son, and that's Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine in beautiful Birmingham, Alabama. Good morning, Lynn. How are you? Good morning, Nick. And uh, to anybody in the in the audience that's LSU fans, I'm uh, I'm still up in Birmingham. I will be in the press box covering the game today in uh, in Auburn. But uh, you know, you hear days you said there's not a cloud in the sky. I'm looking around. There literally may not be a cloud in the sky. It is a beautiful sunny day. It's uh, it's supposed to be around 90 degrees, uh, maybe a little bit on the warm side, but uh, all not to be any weather issues, all to be a straight-up game to get out and play football. Well, I, you know, I almost gave you a call last night. I, I made it made it a couple years ago, went out. Two years ago, you got me great seats for the Auburn-LSU game, and that's when Brandon Harris came out in motion to the crowd and it really ignited the uh, Auburn defense. Had a loyal listener to the show text me last night and says, hey, if you ever think about going in a day and coming back, he would drive back, and I told him, I said, if you would have texted me one minute before 9 o'clock on a, a Friday night, I would have made that happen. But certainly going to be great weather. And I'm going to start with that game, Lynn. It's interesting because we've been talking about it here at the depot this morning. It's one of those games, it's, it's an unusual time in this rivalry because usually with some venom and you talk about all the great things that have happened and all the unique circumstances, the earthquake, a fire, and all of those more exciting than what this game appears to be. But, Lynn, it's almost a, a fan base on either side is okay with a loss if it means dismissal of a coach. This is the weirdest weirdest time I've ever – weirdest part of this rivalry. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that, that uh, the majority of LSU fans want to get rid of Lefts or the majority of Auburn fans want to get rid of Gus. Uh, I think it's a resignation on the part of the fan bases that things are not going the way that they, that they should. Um, you know, LSU uh, had high, such high expectations this year. And, and, they're, and they're not lost yet. They've just lost one ball game. They lost early in the season. And if you look back, um, you know, the majority of, of teams that have played for the national championship uh, over, the, over the last six or eight years have not been undefeated. Uh, Florida State was undefeated in, um, in 2013, and Auburn was undefeated in uh, 2010. Um, uh, Oregon played, played, I think, as an undefeated team. And, and they lost, but uh, but most of the time a team uh, with a loss uh, has has uh, played for and sometimes won the national championship. So things aren't hopeless for LSU uh, on the national championship picture. They're hopeless for Auburn. They've got two losses, and uh, a team with two losses already realistically is not going to play for it. I know LSU uh, won it uh, with two losses one time, but that was an unusual circumstance the way that that developed. So it's not it's not all lost yet uh, for for LSU. But certainly a team that was ranked in the top ten uh, consensus across the board and some people's dark horse pick to win the SEC uh, has not started off fantastically losing to a Wisconsin team that almost lost to Georgia State at home and, uh, and then almost letting Mississippi State come back and beat them at home last week uh, when State's supposedly uh, going to be the last place team in the conference. Uh, and having musical chairs at quarterback uh, is not a is not a great way to you know win hearts and influence people. Auburn, on the other hand, at least they didn't have high expectations. They were picked sixth in the West, so uh, they're lumbering along about where they should be. But um, it, it's how they're losing. Uh, their defense is playing extremely well. Their kicking game is outstanding, and their offense can't do anything. And um, you know Auburn has lost, I believe, it seven consecutive games at home to uh, Power Five conference teams, and in almost every case, it's because 
of the uh, of the offense. The uh, last week was the sixth time. Sixth up. I want to make sure I get this right. I'm, I might be off by a number. You never since are. The, since the fourth game of last year, maybe the fifth game, fourth or fifth game of last year, this past Saturday when they lost to Texas A&M was the sixth time that Auburn has been within a touchdown in the fourth quarter and have had the ball with a chance to either take the lead or, or narrow the gap. And um, and they've lost all of them. Um, that okay, was four okay, games last year, right. Arkansas, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Georgia, and then this year, Clemson. Where on the on the last play of the game, they're throwing a pass to the end zone that if it's called over, beats Clemson. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there. Like that across the board, Nick. They're always close, and they never win them. Right, in, in, and, in recent years. And here's the thing, and that brings up this question. I'll ask you. You cover Auburn for Lindy's Magazine. That's Lynn Scarborough. Lynn, uh, the offense has its woes. Uh, Gus Malzahn, a quote, offensive genius. Art Bryles is available at Baylor. Big scandal, lost his job. Is it too early to bring in Art Bryles as an offensive consultant? You know he and Gus Malzahn have a great relationship. Is that yeah, well, something that's, I mean, that's Obviously, that's been the big talk in, in the Alabama media this week is whether or not Art Bryles is going to do that. Um, and, you know, the, there have been those that would say, well, they wouldn't bring him in because of uh, the situation that happened at Baylor. Well, uh, to the best of my knowledge, he was not directly accused of anything at Baylor. It, it's where, like, you're, you know, you're the head guy, so you're going to be a, a fall guy for what happens. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. You, you ought to be responsible for what's going on. But uh, across the state, uh, you know, Nick Saban just hired Sarkeesian to be the consultant, and Sarkeesian was fired because of totally personal things. Uh, you know, no need to kick somebody when they're down, but his uh, addiction problems and humiliating things he did in public – uh, are, are well documented, and he got fired at Southern Cal, and uh, and and Nick Saban uh, hired him at, at Alabama within the past couple of weeks, uh, becoming the second fired, disgraced Southern Cal head coach that's on their staff. So I don't uh, I don't think that uh, that uh, the people down at Auburn would need to worry about that aspect of it. Um, you know, uh, Coach Malzahn has been very loyal to Rhett Lashley, and Rhett Lashley's been with him a long time. Loyal to a long. fault? Would you say loyal to a fault? Well, yeah, I mean, if it doesn't turn around. Yeah, and, but the thing is, that, you know, there's been a lot of rumor about, well, if he brings in Art Browse, would he bring him in as offensive coordinator and keep Brett Lashley in another position or let Brett Lashley stay there, let Art Browse come in as a consultant, and then maybe in the offseason switch their positions. Uh, you know, who knows? And, and another, another little factor that conceivably could be in there, Auburn, like a number of teams in the SEC, desperately needs a quarterback, and uh, Stidham, the starting quarterback at Baylor last year, uh, is you know is sitting out a year, uh, transferring, and uh, he's you know going to go somewhere, and um, he's been on the Auburn sideline already. He's been uh, been down for two or three of the practices since fall quarter, uh, fall semester started, and um, you know I, I'm I'm not trying to start rumors here, but it, it uh, you know would it be a coincidence if uh, Stidham appears to be uh, leaning uh, showing favoritism toward Auburn? Auburn needs a proven quarterback so badly. Uh, Stidham averaged like 400 yards. Uh, last year at a very good Baylor team that happened to be coached by Art Bryles. So who knows? All you know, r- whenever you're not doing well, rumors start. Well, where is, is, I, where is he enrolled now? Where is he enrolled now? Is yeah, he I've in... seen Herman being. Oh, he's not. Uh, I've seen Herman being the uh, being the head coach uh, for leaving Houston and being the head coach at about five different schools during the past week. Every one of those schools is going to be resurrected because Herman's going to leave Houston and, and some <laughs> resurrected program. And you know, certainly I want to move to it. Talk to Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine. Got a great text for you today, Lynn. But a lot of people enjoying enjoying what you do here on ESPN 97.7 FM on Thursday afternoons 
and also on uh, Saturday on the Nick Brown Show. But a great question, and uh, I know you're going to break down these games, but it's talking about a streak. Will streaks be continue to be broken today? You got uh, Tennessee. What now? Florida's now defeated Tennessee eleven in a row. The last Tennessee win was in '04. Uh, Ole Miss and Georgia today. I believe that Georgia has ten in a row. The last Ole Miss victory was in '96. So you got to look at that. Some games. I want to start with the Ole Miss Georgia game. Uh, get your thoughts. I'm going to tell you. I've like what Ole Miss and Hugh Freeze have been able to do, obviously, in the first half of their games. I don't think Georgia is near as good as Florida State or near as good as Alabama. I like Ole Miss today. Well, I like Ole Miss to win the ball game. It's almost the game of default. The, uh, you know, both of these teams have got serious problems. And you say, well, Georgia's like a ranked team and they're 3-0. and How could you possibly say they got problems? Well, they were fortunate to beat North Carolina. North Carolina's the best team they played. They're fortunate to beat North Carolina. Uh, they got outplayed by Nichols on their home field, and the margin of victory was returning a fumble for a touchdown. Which and wasn't Nichols a fumble, by the way. The ball, uh, Georgia may have the most humiliating loss in the, maybe in the history of their program, losing to Nichols at home. And then they go out to Missouri uh, last week, and Missouri is no, uh, certainly not mentioned in any kind of championship conversations. And they're down late in, the, late in the fourth quarter. And to their credit, they have about a 70-something yard drive there at the end, 80-yard drive. To, uh, to win it behind their freshman quarterback, Jacob Eason. But they eke out a 28-27 win over Missouri. Um, it, nothing I've said here makes you, but makes you strike fear for what Georgia's done, and their running attack with Nick Chubb has, has gone in the tank the last two ball games. They're going up against an Ole Miss team. that you, I mean, you, I know that you know this uh, fact here, but there are only two Power 5 games this year where a team is led by at least 21 points and lost the game. And there's only two times it's happened, and both of them are Ole Miss. They lost by tw- they were hit by 22 to Florida State and got outscored like 30 something to nothing. And then they were hit by 21 to Alabama. In the next 27 minutes, they got outscored 45 to six. So you've got Ole Miss. That every time they're playing a decent team, they're they're starting well and to- having a total collapse. And you're having Georgia, that's uh, that's one of the most misleading three and O teams in the country. So, uh, you know, they're playing at Ole Miss. I lean toward Ole Miss to win the game, but it's not a, it's not a strong lead. You know, uh, you know, Ole Miss has had some injuries. Ole Miss didn't have the depth, just, just to be honest about it. They, they don't have the depth of Alabama or, or, or Georgia or Auburn uh, or LSU or Texas A&M. Uh, Ole Miss doesn't have the depth. They've got some, they got some key people, got great receivers. they got Chad Kelly at quarterback, but they don't, they don't have the depth of some other teams. Now, I think maybe the depth factor is one of the things that's causing them to collapse against halfway decent teams in the second half. All right, then I got to move to talk to Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine. Lynn takes you to 10 every Saturday morning on the Nick Brown Show. Lynn, I tell you a game that really I would love to see this game being played on campus sites because I think that you look and it's the Arkansas-Texas A&M game, and I think Brett Bielema might feel the same way because you, you really need to – I know that uh, Fayetteville-Arkansas and Dallas-Texas uh, not that far apart, but – you're looking at it has more of a home game for uh, Texas A&M, but that's going to be a showdown in Arlington tonight. Yeah, and, and if, if Georgia is not the most, lead, the most misleading record in the SEC, Arkansas is, uh, as everybody in your audience knows, Louisiana Tech, in a rebuilding year, uh, very well could have beaten Arkansas. You may catch it, should have beaten Arkansas in Fayetteville to start the season. And then the next week, Arkansas got all of its kudos off of, off of beating TCU, and to all credit for them for, for going on the road and doing that. But they won the game uh, when TCU has a short field goal to just win it in regulation, be done with it. And um, Arkansas, to their credit, they send in their six foot ten offensive lineman, 
uh, uh, skipper, and you got a six foot ten offensive lineman blocks what should have been an easy field goal. So Arkansas should have lose that, should have lost that game. You, you play a hundred times, and maybe once a six foot ten offensive lineman is going to block a field goal. So Arkansas could easily easily be one and two, and they'd be talking about uh, is is Bill going to be the guy on the hot seat to get run out of town? And instead. They're ranked in the top 20, and they're supposed to go in and beat Texas A&M and be the biggest competition for Alabama. And I just don't see it. Uh, I watched A&M, of course, last week against Auburn. Um, A&M's a good team. You know, he got two best defensive ends on any one team in the conference. Miles Garrett's one of the best defensive players in the country. Uh, so uh, A&M's uh, defense is certainly better. Uh, they're probably not as good as they look because Auburn's offense uh, would have a tough time moving the ball consistently against me and you and, uh, you know, nine strangers. But... Uh, so I don't know if they're good to look last week, but their defense is better. And and uh, Trevor Knight and Keith Ford are a good combination. And then they got the best receivers in the in the conference, uh, uh, maybe in the country, uh, between uh, Christian Kirk and uh, Ricky Seals Jones and uh, Speedy Noel and uh, the, and the freshman guy. Um, you know they got they got receivers that are six three and six four, rangy, good hands. They can run the ball, uh, and there's so many of them you can't double cover them. And uh, so A&M right now, to me, is the second-best team in the SEC. Now, we'll see. They, they may lay an egg in Arkansas and they beat them by two touchdowns today. But my, my thought is that Texas A&M wins the game today and uh, sets itself up as Alabama's biggest competition. Well, I'm going to get you, you know, you always bring, talk to Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine. And, Lynn, you always bring the wonderful facts. I will bring one for you. Did you know that 14% of the starting quarterbacks in the SEC today were Purdue Boilermakers at one time? Yeah, you got three, three Purdue quarterbacks, uh, or, or two, 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 two Purdue quarterbacks, and you got the third one that's up there now. I, I was, I was talking about it to somebody last night. It's going to be interesting to see if any of the Purdue quarterbacks win. The Purdue quarterback that's playing in Knoxville, the Purdue quarterback that's playing in Auburn, or the Purdue quarterback that's playing—I I don't know if they're playing in Purdue or not. I, so I don't know where Purdue's home game is. Boilermakers are going to win. I, I looked up. I think uh, I forget who they have, but they're going to win today. So they may win. They may win a game today. They don't win many. Um, <laughs> So yeah, yeah, very, very, very interesting, and, and an interesting sidelight because both of the both of the transfer Purdue quarterbacks are playing because the guy that was the starting quarterback at the start of the year is not going to be playing, and they're both going on the road to play at the home field of traditional powers, and so it'll be real interesting to see. What happens with those uh, with those transfer Purdue quarterbacks? Well, that's Elaine for LSU and Appleby for Florida. And that's let's right. talk about that Florida Tennessee game because Butch Jones, you know, this is going to be the year in Tennessee. They're going to win the East, and now I think that uh, Appalachian State uh, loss is kind of, I mean, the victory. But you thought, well, okay, App State's a good program. Well, then you see what Miami and the U from Mark Rick were able to do to App State on their home field. And then you saw the really, to me, I think, struggle versus the Bobcats of Ohio. But you talked about struggle. it. Now, they, you, they, they, they didn't win win impressively at all. And so, other than the second half versus Virginia Tech at Bristol, I think you're looking at this Tennessee team. What you know? How do you see this game playing out today uh, on Rocky Top? Well, it's a, it's a similar deal though with Florida. We have UMass as the worst team in the country in our preseason rankings, and Florida uh, barely beats UMass. They got like a four point lead on them in the in the fourth quarter, I think. Um, now they nobody scored on them in eight quarters. You know they beat uh, they beat uh, Florida, they beat Kentucky forty five to nothing. They beat North Texas, I think, like thirty two to nothing or something. So, but and I don't mean to disparage Kentucky, but you know that's a pretty impressive win on paper to, to beat Kentucky forty five to nothing. 
Uh, I know Barker, the quarterback at Kentucky, has been hurt. But Boom Williams is an outstanding player. He's, he's one of the better uh, all-around most versatile offensive players in the SEC. Um, but, but Kentucky has not played anybody that's going to be any good either. So uh, everybody Kentucky, I mean, everybody that Florida's played is going to have a losing record. So uh, it's not like they've played, uh, you know, played world beaters, and Tennessee certainly hasn't. So, I mean, you got to take Tennessee to win the game, but uh, Florida's a more physical team. Tennessee's more of a finesse team, and, and Florida's a more physical team. And if it comes down into the fourth quarter with a smash-mouth ball game, you know, Florida could, Florida could win it. you got to take Tennessee to win the ball game. But I tell you, Nick, uh, you're talking about, well, with Les Miles be on the hot seat, with Nick Saban be on the hot seat, if Hugh Freeze loses again and starts out one and three in a year that, that they were thinking might get them in the final four, if Hugh Freeze on the hot seat, um, the, the guy that, that may be on the hottest one is Bush Jones. And, and because of expectations, Tennessee has not been a factor in so long. You know, there are the two worst words for a, for a college uh, football program, fan-based program. One is irrelevance, and the other is indifference. Irrelevance for the program and indifference among the fans. And Tennessee has been irrelevant for a long time. You know, they played Auburn for the championship in 2004 and lost. They played LSU for the championship in 2007 or something like that and lost. And that's the only two times they've been involved in it since they won the championship in, in 98, I guess it was. Over Auburn, and Auburn had a halftime lead. That, that's, that's right. And um, so, you know, it, it, that's a long period of time. And, and you know, we've, we've given this stat, you know, 20 times on your shows. But since that, you know, you go back to 2000, we're talking about 2004 um, when, when they played for it. And um, since, since then, well, we can just go back to, let's say, 2006. So that'd make it 10 years. Um, you've had Florida's won two championships, LSU's won two championships, um, and played for another one. Auburn's won one championship, played for another one, and had an undefeated season. Alabama's had four championships. So I'm naming four SEC teams that have been in the national championship picture uh, intermittently throughout the entire at that entire period. I don't know the record between Tennessee and LSU during that period. I, I, I could find it, but I don't know it. But I know the others. They've lost 11 straight times to Tennessee, I mean to Florida, nine straight times to Alabama, and six straight times to Auburn. So the last 26 times they've played those three teams that, that periodically come into the national championship picture over the last decade, um, they're 0-26. And eventually the greatest fan base in the world will get having difference. And this year, more than any other, Tennessee's set up. Everybody has Tennessee in the top ten. We had them, I think, number seven. I know I've told you on and off the air that I thought they were a dark horse to win the conference and go to the Final Four. Um, you know, and, hey, and here's the thing. You know, they're still sitting there at 3-0. and I mean, so all is not lost yet, but they have looked nothing like a championship team. And if you want to get the air out from under them uh, or out of their balloon, uh, let a Florida team that wasn't that good at the end of the year uh, come rolling in with a substitute quarterback and beat Tennessee for the 12th time in a row. And people and and uh, you know if they if they're going to do that then are they going to go on the road and beat georgia are they going to beat alabama when they roll into knoxville um you know will they get upset by somebody else that they ought to beat um you know the uh this is going to be the most gigantic pull the rug out from under your fans that tennessee's done in almost two decades of pulling the rug out from under your fans and i just cannot imagine what the what the conversation is going to be on the call-in shows after the game tonight 
if if Florida were to knock off Tennessee. Well, and I tell you, I think that you look, Lynn, I believe that what I hear you say, hot seat everywhere here and there and where they go. I think that probably other than Nick Saban, no other coach in the SEC sleeps well at night. i got to turn one if South Carolina can just totally destroy Kentucky. I think that the Wildcat faithful may look for a new coach with Stoops on the sideline. And I think he's done everything the right way. He's marketed the program in Cincinnati. You've seen the billboards. If anybody can be successful, but right now just can't get it done uh, in Lexington. Yeah, and, and Coach Stoops, you know, and the thing is he's, uh, he's actually improved their recruiting. Uh, they have gotten some players that, that, you know, they wouldn't have gotten before. They've got a couple of good commitments already for this next signing class. Um, and, you know, and but – you know, you just you can't lose. You know, they they get beat by Southern Miss. Southern Miss is a good team, but they they can't win at home against the team that couldn't win at home against Troy. So you know, you can look at it that way. And I'm I don't mean it's an ugly court Southern Miss, but I'm still high on them. I'm still high on Nick Mullen. But uh, the reality is that they gave up forty something to to Southern Miss at home and lost. Uh, and then that thing down in Florida, uh, when you get beat forty five to nothing, uh, that that against the team that's you know better than average, but but. They're not supposed to be, you know, the bell cow team going to the front end. You lose 45 to nothing. And, yeah, they need badly. They've got a South Carolina team that, uh, uh, you know, does have a returning quarterback, but not one that was a proven star, um, that lost their best player uh, before the season to, uh, to an injury. Sky Moore, uh, gone for the year. they got a brand-new coaching staff coming in. Now, it's a veteran uh, veteran with, uh, with Muscam, Tavares, Robinson, and those guys. But uh, it's still a new coaching staff with a new system. Uh, they're going on the road. Uh, and you know, and they've already lost to Mississippi State. Uh, so, you know, you're right. If South Carolina goes in and beats Kentucky, then that's going to be a really, really bad situation. The, you know, you can say, well, Les Miles or Gus Malzahn are the two coaches that need a win the most today, and they certainly need one badly. But I'm not sure, but what the two teams that need to win the most today are Bush Jones and Mark Stoops. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Lynn is certainly. I appreciate all you do here on the Nick Brown Show. Lynn takes you to 10 every Saturday morning. Now, other than going out and covering college football games, let's talk about the website. But what's going on at Lindy's? Well, our, uh, our college and pro basketball magazines have hit newsstands. So anybody in the, in the audience that's a fan of college or pro basketball, look for us on the newsstands. If you can't find it, call us. Contact us through the website or call us, and we'll make sure that uh, either you know where to find one or we can get a magazine to you. Uh, we are... Uh, <laughs> I never never thought I'd say this. We'll look at Ed toward doing a World Series special, which we do every year. Uh, too early to start doing anything yet, but uh, you're looking at one of the real possibilities being doing the Chicago Cubs World Championship Edition. And, uh, you know, protect the women and children because uh, hell's going to freeze over and the world's coming to an end if, uh, you know, if the Chicago Cubs win a championship. So we're, we're preparing for that possibility. I know it's going to make some of the people in your studio happy. Um, and so, you know, no, we're, you we're just, you at, just jinxed it. Lily, wait a minute. No, you just jinxed it. When you talk about your World Series edition, of course, we do this. What I want you to do is do all this work on another team like you did for the NBA, <laughs> and then you call me at 2 o'clock in the morning saying, well, if you're up, give me a call because I'm working on the Cleveland Cavaliers or whoever it may be, <laughs> Golden State, whatever you had to do. So go ahead and pick another team, get all the information in, and then have to change. If you well, nothing would be more unusual than the Cleveland Cavaliers thing because Golden State was had three games to one. I know I did tell you <laughs> that we were putting the Cleveland Cavaliers magazine aside because we had to get ready to do the, to do the uh, Golden State, and three games later we put out the – Cleveland Cavaliers magazine, so that's the nature of uh, nature of what we do. I and think that's the most writing, co- writing columns every week and having having new columns and new stories on the website. I encourage people to go in, read my column, 
uh, read all the columns and the stories that we've got on our website. Or just read yours, but I think that's the most upset I've ever heard you when you had all this already done and had to go back and redo it. So, hey, safe travels today, and I can tell you one thing. The Tigers are going to win the game that you go see. Yeah, I think so. Just to let you know, I do have two extra tickets to that game, and uh, if you got in your car in the next hour, you could be at our tailgate tent outside Jordan-Hare before the kickoff. So just uh, keep that in mind. No, I couldn't. 11, 12, 1, 2, 3. I tell you what, you're, you're just like everybody else. I'm always asked after the party ends, I tell you. Uh, okay, I'm just letting you know, if you, uh, if you decide to get in the car quickly and head on, i got two tickets for you for the Auburn LSU game. All right, Lynn, I certainly appreciate it. All right, man. Thanks for joining us every Saturday morning I'll on the Nick Brown soon. Show. Thanks for listening to the best of the Nick Brown Show. Tune in live every Saturday on ESPN977.com or subscribe to the show in iTunes on Stitcher or at redpeachsports.com.